in my heart. Man, that's a good, that's a good sum up of it all. Hey, you got to love Ecclesiastes. Um, like chapter 11, verse 9, it's the, the, the top of that passage that's on the handout. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want. Take it all in. I mean, that sounds like exactly what we want to hear. Um, wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute. Do what you want. Take it all in. You got to love Ecclesiastes. Um, so this is, uh, this is week four, and I'm supposed to be Ryan Stalkup, but um, R- Ryan is sick. Um, he got the, the thing that everybody's getting, and um, Ryan is, is at the apartment not feeling well and recuperating from some sickness. Linda's sick too, um, so it's just kind of minefield we're, we're going through these days. But I'm supposed to be Ryan. Ryan's supposed to wrap up this series, and uh, uh, you'll have to ask him maybe for a private version of his, his take on the wrap-up. Three weeks ago, we started this with the reality of this word called hevel. It's the word that usually gets translated meaningless or vanity in, in Ecclesiastes, and it's just our common experience. And two weeks ago, we talked about how we can experience beauty and eternity as God's solution to this hollow existence of Hevel. Um, then last week, we talked about how Hevel frustrates that natural, normal, deep human craving to make an impact, but that you can still make an impact by being a, a missionary to the Hevel around you. And tonight, we come to what is the exclamation point um, at the end of the book. Um, so Ecclesiastes 11 um, You've got an extended passage printed out there on your handout, and uh, let's, uh, let's just do some reading together and uh, take in some of Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. This is starting with verse 9 and then continuing on through the end of chapter, chapter 12. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth, with a whole life before you, is meaningless. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. Remember Him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your day. Remember Him, it goes on to say, as you grow old, before you grow old. And then down to verse 6. Yes, remember your Creator now, while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Poetic way of saying, into the line. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And then you notice a, 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 a dashed line there. Because that's a break in the flow of the book of, of Ecclesiastes. You see, the first verse of the book of Ecclesiastes is the author saying, hey, here's something important that I want to share with you. And then the next like, 11 and a half chapters, basically, are this, this, uh, this teacher, this preacher, um, who is being quoted by the author. But then at the end of chapter 12, 
it shifts back to the author. So at verse, at verse 8, this is now the author talking. The teacher has said his piece. And here's what the author has to say. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. The last 11 chapters, <laughs> completely meaning, meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise and he taught people everything they knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like the nail-studded stick which a shepherd drives the sheep with. But, my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. And then we come to the last two verses where the author says, So that's the whole story. And here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. And God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whatever good or bad. So first, let's talk about the comments about youth. The, uh, the author gives us the teacher's comments about youth, starting in 11 uh, verse 9a. First, it's wonderful to be young, and, and amen to that. It, uh, it is. One thing I love about working in campus ministry is that I'm like perpetually like 18 to 24 years old. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting any older. I'm just kind of staying put with you guys. It's wonderful to, to be young. Uh, second comment about youth there in, in the end of verse 9 is enjoy your youth in a way that you'll enjoy telling God about. Um, remember, you must give an account to God for everything you do. You remember that night back in high school when you were coming in and it was kind of late, and maybe you were past time when you were supposed to be home, and as you were coming home, you were kind of hoping that parents were already in bed so you could just kind of slip in, kind of under the radar, un- unseen or unknown, and, but they weren't in bed yet, and, uh, and so you just kind of came in and you kind of slipped in and slumped around and kind of did your own thing because, uh, yeah, I don't know what, you know what you've been up to that night, but maybe you just would rather them not know what you had been up to that night. Um, hey, it's, it's one thing to enjoy yourself. Uh, it's another thing to enjoy yourself in a way that you would enjoy reporting to the Lord about. And that's the, that's the advice, the good advice that we get right here. Enjoy every minute. He says, do everything you want. Take it all in. And give account to God. There is incredible, extraordinary freedom that comes with being a college student. And I want to urge you to use your freedom to enjoy all that is before you, all that you can enjoy, and to enjoy it in a way that you will enjoy reporting um, to God about. It goes on to say about youth, refuse to worry. And there's so much to worry about. Um, so much to get preoccupied with. But the wisdom here is refuse to worry, and the opposite of worry is to trust. And four, take care of your health. Uh, don't just use up your health. I mean, when you're, when you're 18, 19, 20, you've got this, this like indispensable quality of health, so it seems. And, um, but take care of yourself along the way. Be good to your body. Another comment about, about youth, that as good as it is, 
verse 10, the end of verse 10, as good as youth is with a whole life before you, it's still just pebble, meaningless, a vapor, not ultimate meaning. It's a, it's a common thing when I'm talking with an alum who's maybe been gone 10 or 15 years, and sometimes it's an alum who was very involved at Wesley, a, a leader, um, somebody who grew deep in their faith during the college years, and they, they were really on fire in their faith, and they left here on fire in their faith, but then life happened, and the fire kind of dimmed, and yet still kind of burning, kind of glowing, but it's not what it used to be. And you can just see it in their eyes, and they're just kind of wistful in the way they look back on their college years and say, yeah, that was my high watermark. Those were the, those were the good days. The, what I want you to hear is this challenge from Ecclesiastes um, to make the most of your youth, not just by making the most of it here and now, but by making the most of it here and now that sets you on a course, an upward course, from here on, don't ever look back on your college years and say, yeah, that, that was, those were the days. As good as they are, go on from here in a way that you look back on these days saying, yeah, those were good days, but look where I've gone since. Live like that. Into the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1. Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old. And then the, this next long, long passage there, chapter verses 1 on down through, um, through 7. There's, uh, the NLT has seven remember him statements that drive home the point that youth is good, but it doesn't last. Um, seven, remember, remember your creator statements. Remember your creator while you're young, before this old thing sets in. It's a call to remember God in your youth because there will come a day that's poetically expressed there in verses 6 and 7 when we come to the dead end, when we come to our death, and when we face God. And guys, check this out. It is better to live a long life, or, or however long you have to live. It's better to live your life remembering and honoring your Creator in your youth and all along the way than to have that awkward moment at the end of your life when, as a withered-up soul, you face your Maker and wish that you had your youth back to remember Him then. See, youth is hevel, meaningless. Your university moment, these college years, are hevel, unless you make the most of it by inviting the Lord to do His work of eternal beauty in you now and through you. It doesn't have to be hevel. Youth, your college years are hevel unless you make the most of it, unless you set a trajectory for your life now that you'll follow out for the next 60, 70, 80 years of your life, a trajectory that'll make a kingdom difference in the world that'll make a positive impact on the people around you and that'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. And youth is hevel unless you leverage your youth now so that faithfulness now pays off with compound interest for the rest of your life. You know how compound interest works. 
faithfulness now pays off in compound interest for the rest of your life. Head out on that kind of trajectory. Um, the New Testament uh, version of this, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Leverage your youth for faithfulness for the rest of your life. Then Ecclesiastes wraps up with this bottom line. It, it shifts back to what the, the author has to say about what the teacher has just said. Uh, so Ecclesiastes, I mean, it's kind of like a 10-page paper that the author had to write, but the author found this awesome nine-and-a-half-page source that he could quote. And so, so the author literally opened up with one verse and then drops nine-and-a-half pages of, of the teacher and then wraps it up with seven verses of his own at the end. Great paper. If only you could get away with it. So the author's comments at the end are really important because it's, it's, what, it's what he's reflecting on regarding what the teacher has had to say. And the first thing is this. The author sums up the teacher's main point by saying what the teacher's been saying all along, that it's all meaningless. He actually says, hevel of hevel, it's all hevel. Um, the New Living Translation just gives you two hevels in that, in that verse, verse 8. But there actually are three hevels there in the Hebrew. Hevel of hevels, it's all hevels. Um, to paraphrase Vince Lombardi, um, what the hevel is going on out here? <laughs> Second comment that the teacher makes at the end is he says, you know, the teacher's wisdom is, is pretty good for what it is, but it's really not all that it's cracked up to be. The best wisdom the world has to offer falls short. It's still a good idea. It'll keep you out of jail. It'll, it'll, it'll keep you between the lines. But it falls short of what we really need. Um, spoiler alert. Ecclesiastes didn't know it, but there was better wisdom coming. They hoped for it, longed for it, knew they needed it, but they didn't know exactly what to call it. 1 Corinthians 1.30 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that God's wisdom in Jesus is the ultimate wisdom that we need. I love this verse. God has united you with, with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Him to be wisdom itself. No more kind of hevel oriented wisdom, real wisdom. God made him to be wisdom itself. And here's what that wisdom looks like. That Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. The wisdom of Jesus breaks the spell of Hevel. Love that. A third comment from the author here at the end is that the best trajectory in this world of Hevel is to fear God and obey his commands. Fear God and obey His commands. He says, he says uh, so here's my final conclusion in verse 13. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. He's saying this is what it's all about for all of us. It's not what it's all about for some of us. It's not part of what it's about for all of us. 
This is what it's all about for all of us. Fear God and obey His commands. Uh, so when Ryan and I were talking today, when, when, uh, when it became obvious that he, he wasn't well enough to, to carry on today, um, I said, so Ryan, what, what, do you, what do you take fear God to mean? And here's what Ryan said. He said, respect for God where our response is both awe of the beauty and terror of God. A respect for God where our response is both awe of the beauty and terror of God. See, fear of God doesn't mean be scared of God, be afraid of God, cower and just quiver at the thought of God. Fear of God means give God the respect that's due to God because He is that beautiful and because He is that awe-inspiring. Isaiah 6 is a textbook example of someone fearing God. Let me share with you from Isaiah 6. This is actually the call of Isaiah. Um, how Isaiah heard the Lord call him. Isaiah 6, 1, it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Isaiah has a vision into heaven. He was sitting on, the lo- on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and there were, there were angels, six-wing angels, covering their faces and their feet and flying with two angels and they were calling out to one another, Holy, 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 is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And then Isaiah says, he says, it's all over, I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man, I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. So here's this fear God moment in the, in the life of Isaiah. When he, he sees God and he, he's seeing the beauty and he's seeing the terror. And the reason that he sees terror is because he's seeing a holy God. And the contrast between holy God and unholy me is just too great to bear. It's, it's, it's terror to see the beauty and the holiness of God all at the same time. And Isaiah's response is, I'm undone. I'm I'm, I'm toast. It's over for me. But that's not the way it ended. Because one of the angels flew to me me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar. And he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then here's the calling part. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. The beauty and terror of, of God's character impacted Isaiah with forgiveness and cleansing and equipping and empowering that he could even go and do something for God. Have you had have you felt like that? Have you had that experience where you felt like that before the beauty and the eternity and the terror of a holy God? Um, 
hey, it's not being afraid of God. It's more like coming to a place where you're afraid to be without God. And it's not being afraid of God's touch. It's more like being afraid of life without God's healing, forgiving touch. To fear God is to live in awe of the beauty and eternity of God. And that's the way through this hevel mess that is our daily existence. The other thing that he says there is obey his commands. Fear God and, and obey his commands. Um, let me share with you from Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Um, Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I will speak to kings about your laws. I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. This is how the psalmist felt about God's commands and God's ways and, and obeying them. And, and I'd say to you that if, that if you honestly don't agree with him, if you, if you, if you can't heart, just, just from the bottom of your heart say, I love everything God wants me to do, <laughs> then turn Psalm 119 into a prayer that you would pray that God... One day, may I love and want and love to do what you want me to do like that. Because obeying God's ways opens the flow of beauty and eternity into your struggling existence. Obeying God's ways opens the flow of beauty and eternity into your struggle. Obeying God's ways keeps... The focus on where we're going and not on where we're bogged down. This hevel mess. Two diagnostic questions for you about, about obeying God's ways. Uh, where do you struggle to know what God um, desires for you to obey? Where do you struggle? Where is it not clear about what thing is it not clear to you what God desires for you to obey. Ask Him to open your eyes, to show you the way. Talk to a friend, talk to Ryan, talk to me, talk to Linda. Um, how do you know what God desires for you to do and obey in this particular matter? Second diagnostic question, where do you struggle to do what you already know God desires for you to do? Where do you struggle to do what you already know God calls you to do? To obey God, to fear God and obey His commands opens the flow of eternal beauty from God into your life. And when eternal beauty flows into your life, guess what? It doesn't just stay there. It overflows you. And the world and the people around you are blessed and touched. One last comment here at the end of chapter 12. It's almost like an afterthought. Hey, and God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Kind of a downer to end on. Um, hey, but it's, 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 it's not a, 
It's not a threat, it's a promise. We see judgment from a wrong perspective. When the Bible speaks of judgment, it's not a threat, it's a promise that God is at work and ultimately will finish the work of making all things right and new. Where there is oppression, there will be justice. Where there is captivity, there will be release. Where there is wrong, there will be made right. See, judgment is a promise and not a threat. So friends, would you strive to come to that place in your life with the Lord at which judgment doesn't feel like impending doom? Strive to come to that place with the Lord at which judgment doesn't feel like impending doom, but more like the goodness of God remaking this world of heaven into heaven on earth. So how the hell are you doing? Remember and honor God in your youth so that when you're 58, when you're 88, you look back at your college years and say, that was just the start. Dear God, obey His ways. Long for the justice of God's judgment that will set everything right. So I'll just wrap it up with a question. How do you connect with this? How, how does this truth connect with where you are? Would you just pray? If you care to go to the prayer room, it's there for you. But as we sing and wrap up worship tonight, would you just ponder and let the Holy Spirit ponder with you? How does this connect with where you are? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the fact that you saw us in our hevel. You came to us in our mess. You entered in to our existence to make us right with you, to rescue us out of it, and to redeem the mess that we're in. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, speak personally, individually with, with each of us. Let us know your thoughts for us individually. My hope, my prayer is that heaven would be redeemed. That the struggles that we find ourselves in the midst of would be things you'd use to, to grow us bring your kingdom into our neighborhood so come on Holy Spirit would you do that with us and for us in the name of Jesus
stretch across.